0: Welcome to Harvest Mission Community Church. You are listening to one of our sermons. Good morning. I hope all of you are doing well. It's great to see all of you uh, online once again, and we hope and pray that you'll be blessed. Uh, If you have your Bibles, please turn to Luke chapter 14. We'll start reading from verse 12. All the way to verse 24. Uh, as it's been mentioned before, if you do have our church app, we have all our notes there as I'm uh, giving the points. So I want to encourage you with that. Um, as many of you know, as you're turning to that passage that we're finishing off on our flip the switch series. Uh, two weeks ago, we talked about uh, flip the switch on relationships and how we got to look at relationships differently. And then last week we talked about flipping the switch on our resources and how a lot of those things that God has given to us is really to be used for His purposes and for His glory. And so we need to flip the switch in our perspective that it's not ours, but it's all God's. Today, I want to talk about uh, flipping the switch on when it comes to Um, reaching out to people. And that's what we want to focus in on. So I wanted to start off and just kind of simply ask a question. I'm wondering how many of us can recall a time when someone did something for us that we know that was undeserving and it was unexpected. And as many of you know, when you experience that, which is pretty much grace when it's undeserved, that it really does something to our hearts and it kind of encourages us and reminds us that there's nothing that we can do to deserve or to earn anything uh, from God. We're going to go ahead and uh, just show you the video. This video uh, is uh, a video about uh, Ellen DeGeneres. As you know, Uh, she has a show called The Ellen Show. And one of the things that she loves doing is she likes to highlight people who are giving Uh, just doing random acts of kindness, because that's one of her things, just learning how to be kind to one another. And so it's about a lady who actually did something in Chicago. It was a a cold winter day and she was able to show some kindness to somebody. And so Ellen heard about it and she highlighted it. And I, I wanted to go ahead and show that to you right now. What a great reminder that God can use anybody and even some of the smallest gestures that God can use to bless people and to encourage uh, somebody uh, that, are, that, that is in need. Uh, you know, when you think about people in need, we can't help but to think about during this time of the COVID-19 pandemic. I know that we're slowly coming to an end, hopefully. But one of the things that I've noticed is that as I've been reading up on the news is that this time, especially during the lockdown and the quarantine, a lot of people have been experiencing relapses with a lot of the difficulties that they struggle with prior to the lockdown. And I think this is kind of interesting because there's an increase um, levels and use of alcohol and drugs Uh, that has brought a lot of whole different issue uh, issues regarding people who are going back to some of the addictions that they had. Uh, They found out that the increased use of pornography. They've also found out there's an increase uh, of relational conflicts, such as even domestic abuse that have been happening during this lockdown and quarantine. Uh, There's an increase of anxiety and depression, which now is leading to a lot of mental health issues with people who are going through these things at this moment. And the question is this, how can we combat these situations and use it for something that is good? How are we going to uh, flip the switch in terms of what people are going through and the needs that we see and how is it that God is going to use some of these things to help people to experience more of who He is. Ultimately I think the answer can only be found in Jesus Christ and that's why uh, Dwight L Moody, he gives uh, a reminder for us. He writes this in his writing called Glad Tidings. He says, no matter how low down you are no matter what your disposition has been you may be low in your thoughts words and actions but you may be you may be selfish your heart may be overflowing with corruption and wickedness yet jesus will have compassion upon you he will speak comforting words to you not treat you coldly or spurn you as perhaps those of earth would but will speak tender words and words of love and affection and kindness just come at once. He is a faithful friend. And I pray that no matter where you are and whatever you're facing in your life, we really want to flip the switch when it comes to reaching out to people in our lives. And those who are struggling with different needs, and some of you who are facing that right now, we're hoping that you'll be able to see Jesus through everything that you're going through, and to experience the demonstration of His love and His kindness, whether it's just through someone in church or maybe someone randomly showing you and reminding you how much God loves you. So let me give us the one thing. The one thing that I want us to remember is simply this, that we must, that as we love others with our welcome, we will see a joyful outcome, that we have to have this heart of welcoming people in order for us to be able to see a joyful outcome. So there are two things I'm going to highlight for us as we think about loving others with our welcome in order to see this joyful outcome. The first thing is this, that we must go beyond our comfortability, that we must go beyond our comfortability. I'm going to go ahead and read verse 12, all the way through verse 15. And we'll start off with this first section as we talk about how we must go beyond our comfortability. It says this, He also to the man who invited Him, and this is Jesus speaking, He says, When you give a dinner or a banquet, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or rich neighbors, lest they also invite you in return and you be repaid. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you, for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. When one of those who reclined at the table with him heard these things, he said to him, Blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. Let me just go ahead and put the story in context. If you look a little bit earlier, this is a continuation in thought and what Jesus was trying to teach in this passage. If you look at verse 7 through 11, you will notice that Jesus talks about being invited to a wedding feast and then sitting at the right place. What he was sharing was simply this, don't sit at the highest place of honor because someone greater than you might come and then you will have to be placed in a lower seat. And then he was encouraging rather you should sit at the lowest place and then if the host comes in and realize you're sitting there then they will put you in a better seat with more honor. And then he closes out the story with the clear principle. And the principle is this, is found in Luke chapter 14 verse 11. It says this, For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Let me go ahead and read to you the message translation of verse 11. It says this, What I'm saying is if you walk around with your nose in the air, you're going to end up flat on your face. But if you're content to be simply yourself, you will become more than yourself. And so the reason why the story is related to the passage that we read for today in verse, starting in verse 12 is that Jesus was trying to challenge the man who invited him for dinner about going beyond his comfortability, beyond his comfort zone. When we are humble, we'll be willing to go beyond what is natural or what, the things that we might like because there are a lot of things that we might not like that here's Jesus trying to remind him that you have to go beyond that. Also, there will be things that we do to exalt God rather than exalting ourselves. So let me go ahead and highlight two specific things that we see about why we don't go beyond our comfort zones. And we'll see this in this passage. The first thing that we see as we talk about going beyond our comfortability is that the reason why we don't go beyond our comfortability is because we see here the motive. The motive of the heart is so important. In verse 12, we notice that Jesus was trying to expose the motive of this man that probably invited only a certain group of people, those people that he's probably most comfortable with to this dinner that he was having. And here's Jesus. He says to not just invite your friends, your brothers, your relatives, or even your rich neighbors, because the reason is that every single one of them will be able to reciprocate the invitation. I want you to just think about this for a moment. What Jesus was trying to teach is this, when you start inviting those people who are close to you, and those people that you want their recognition from, then it's easy to invite them because you want something back from them. But people who are poor, lame, crippled, we will see here that they can give nothing back in return. So Jesus probably knew that this man invited his guest for probably two possible reasons. One would be, well, he might have been invited to another dinner, So out of obligation, He's now inviting them to come to His dinner. So that could be one reason. Another reason is that He invited them because He wanted to be re-invited to one of their dinners. So with this in mind, here's Jesus making it very clear. Because the thought of inviting people who are poor, crippled, lame, and blind is that there is nothing that you can receive in return. I think this is probably the truest test of our hearts and where it's at. Are we willing to do something for people that they can do nothing in return for us? And as you know, we live in a culture where everything is about paying people back. And I think this is so much so in the Asian culture. Uh, Oftentimes when we receive something, we feel this obligation to do something for them. Or we don't like to receive help or receive things from people because we know that we will be obligated to give back to those people who gave to us. Let me give you a good example. As many of you know, one of the things that we have a tremendous burden for is missions. And one of the things that we'd like to do is to invite people to um, participate in mission because they can't go themselves to participate in prayer and also to give financially. And this was something that I didn't really experience until I came to Asia, is that when we started taking our missions projects team for the summer, one of the things that we did was to talk about fundraising, to raise resources so that we can be, go on this trip. On one hand, uh, we needed resources so we can go on this trip. But something that we teach often is that when we go on these trips, it's not just about the money, but we're inviting people to participate in God's mission. And so even though they can't go, they could pray for us and they could give financially. So in that way they are sending the team to go on that missions project that they cannot go themselves. And hopefully in the future they will go. Now, the interesting thing I found out as we were trying to raise the funds is that a lot of people came up to me and they were sharing about how they had so much problems with their family, their parents. And I just didn't really understand what was going on. So when I asked them, they said, Pastor, uh, I I don't know if I can do this fundraising thing. And I said, why not? Because my parents, uh, they want to pay for the whole thing. And I'm like, well, if they want to pay for the whole thing, then can they pay for all of us then maybe? But when I started probing a little bit deeper, I found out that they didn't want to ask people because one of the things that they were expressing was that they would then feel obligated to give something to those people who gave. And that's when it dawned upon me that we are living in a culture where everything is about reciprocity. It's about reciprocating something that we have received that we have to give to somebody else. I think this is rooted in the human paradigm that we talk about so often. And until we understand that everything that we do, if it's under this operation of I'm doing something for you because I'm going to get something back or because you did this for me, I need to do this back for you. That mindset leads to a lot of self-centeredness and our motives for doing things will be completely off. And so here is this man inviting and welcoming certain people. It wasn't because he was generous or that he was a loving person, but rather it was out of his own selfishness because what he can get back. And it was also out of his pride. He was trying to show off that he can be recognized by this certain class of people that he hung around with, not the lame or the blind or the cripple or the poor, but it was probably those people that was within his social structure. That's why in Matthew chapter 6 verse 19 through 21 in the NIV, it says this, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. Uh, Why don't you read the yellow part with me as I read this. It says this, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. What a great reminder that oftentimes it's about our motives and our hearts and what we do. And too often we are trying to collect things here on this earth, where it's going to fade away rather than remembering that our reward is in heaven. And so the question that I have for is, what is your motive for doing things? I'm wondering if there are things in your life that might be uncomfortable in terms of trying to reach out to certain groups of people that you might not want to. But if you do, can you do it with a pure heart? because you love them because Christ loved you. The second thing that we notice here in the story as we talk about going beyond our comfortability is we see the motive of this man, and then we also see this misunderstanding. I want to talk a little bit about this. In verse 14, Jesus says that since the outcasts of society can't repay, He says, we will be blessed when we still give. And He says, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. Now you need to understand that for the Jewish people, they believe that the righteous and generous people will be ultimately rewarded at the resurrection of the dead. So when God comes and establishes his kingdom, that is when they will be richly rewarded. And there will be a feast, this, this imagery of a feast, of a gathering of people. It's, we see that in the Old Testament. And that's why the Jewish people believed in this. This is why one of the guests at the table excitedly said to Jesus that it will be a blessing to eat at the kingdom of God. I want to give you some other translations of this to help you to understand a little bit of the misunderstanding that was going on. In the New Living Translation it says this, what a blessing it will be to attend a banquet in the kingdom of God. The message translation says, how fortunate the one who gets to eat dinner in God's kingdom. And the Amplified version said this, blessed, which is happy, prosperous, to be admired is he who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. So this person, as Jesus was sh- uh, sharing some of these principles, we notice here that this person was assuming that he and the other guests will be present at this future kingdom. And this concept of the Jewish people having this idea that they were 100% automatically brought into this kingdom, this mindset was so deeply rooted in them and in their own righteousness. And the great feast will be with all the patriarchs of the honored guests. So all the Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and all the way on, we see that they believed, that those people would be gathered at this feast. But what they misunderstood was that Jesus' invitation to His kingdom was for all people. It wasn't just for the Jewish people, but it was for all people. And all those who thought they were righteous, what He said was, it was those who are poor, lame, crippled, those who don't feel as if they're righteous. Now I'm wondering, If some of us have this kind of mindset. I'm wondering if we've forgotten that God allows us to feast at His table, not because we deserve it, but because of His grace. I think it's easy for us not to see our motives for why we do what we do. When was the last time you and I did things, not because we're going to get something in return, but we just did it because this is something that God tells us for us to do and to love those people who are in need? Why do so many Christ followers have a hard time just relating or even loving people who are different from us? Why do we always stay comfortable with people who are more similar to us than who are different? Can I challenge you? Uh, Think about some of the friends. Think about some of the people that you hang out with. And it's amazing how we oftentimes cluster around with people. Now, please don't misunderstand me. It's, it's fine to hang out with some of your friends. But what I'm trying to focus in on is oftentimes our hearts. Even when God brings those people our way, we just do everything possible to stay comfortable because we don't want to go out, out of our comfort zones and comfortability. I remember one time, and this was an issue in our church, And I had to constantly bring it up over and over again. As you know, in our church we have a diversity of people coming from many different backgrounds. And one of the big issues is that not everyone in our church are middle class. Some of them come from very difficult homes. Some of them have even struggled financially over a period of time. And so for them to even go to school at the university, uh, some of them had to take jobs, a part time job and studying and working. And one of the things that came up was that within particular different life groups, there were groups of people who were more from the wealthier socioeconomic background. And so a lot of the things that they want to do, a lot of the things that they wanted to engage in required resources or required money. And so one of the things that began to happen was that as soon as they started clustering together, they started doing all these different activities that some of the other people in that life group could not join and participate because they didn't have the money. Now, once again, I am not saying that you cannot do certain things because it will require a lot of resources. That is not the point that I'm trying to make. What I was trying to encourage some of these guys who had the resources, that there's nothing wrong with doing it, but be considerate and think about some of these other people who might not have the resources to do what you want to do. So I told them, if you really want to do it and you have the resources, maybe you could bless some of these guys so they could join you and so that you could build unity in life group. Or learning how to get out of your comfort zone and say, you know what, even though I want to do that, I will decide that I'm not going to do that because I'm trying to think about some of these people in my life group. This is one of the reasons why we've been emphasizing a lot on transculturalism that it's not just race, it's not just a particular culture, but it's anything that defines us to the point where we're saying you versus me or you versus us, and it separates people. So let me, those of us who might not know or remember the definition of transculturalism, let me give it to you. It's on the screen there. It says this, transculturalism uh, is simply a decision to go through the discomforts and difficulties in order to develop an understanding and delight in people from different cultures. So once again, it requires a decision and it's a willingness to go through some of the discomforts and some of the difficulties of being with people who are different from you and who's different from me. And through that, what we do is we begin to develop and appreciate and delighting in these people while they are different, that God made them in such a way. Their culture, their experience is different from mine. And so we learn how to delight in that so that we can do great things that God has in store for us. And this is something that I want to continue to emphasize in our church, is that for us to go beyond our comfortability means that we have to be more transcultural in our mindset as well as in the things that we do. That's how we're going to be able to love people, reach out to people. And here's this man who just invited those people that he was close to and that probably from the same social economic background because he wanted something in return. And he did it with the wrong motive and misunderstood that this kingdom of God it's not just for the Jewish people, but it's for all people. So at this time I wanted to pause and have us do a little bit of huddle groups. As many of you know, uh, some of you are in smaller groups right now meeting in different apartments and different places. And we want to give you this opportunity to maybe break up into groups of two or three and to discuss a little bit about these two questions. And once again, we'll give you about six minutes. So it's not enough time, but just quickly just share some of your thoughts and then we'll go into point number two. And the questions are simply this. uh, What is it? Why is it easy to stay in our comfort zones and not reach out to those who are different from us? And the second question is, what are some things that might help us to check our motives for the things that we do? So go ahead and discuss these two questions and then we'll come back in about six minutes. Have a great time. I hope you had a good time of just discussing together about some of those questions. Um, As we talk about going beyond our comfortability, I want to go ahead and go into the second point and talk about not only must we go beyond our comfortability but we must go beyond our community, the community that we have here in our church. I'm going to go ahead and read verse 16 through 24. And as we're reading the story, I want you to kind of put yourself in the situation as you're hearing this parable or the story that Jesus is giving. Listen to what it says in verse 16. But he said to them, a man once gave a great banquet and invited many. And at the time for the banquet, he sent his servants to say to those who had been invited, come for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said to him, I have bought a field and I must go out and see it. Please have me excused. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen and I go, uh, and I go to examine them. Please have me excused. And another said, I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. So the servant came and reported these things to his master. Then the master of the house became angry and said to his servant, Go out quickly to the streets and lanes of the city and bring in the poor and crippled and blind and lame. And the servant said, Sir, what you commanded has been done, and still there is room. And the master said to the servant, go out to the highways and hedges and compel people to come in that my house may be filled. For I tell you, none of those men who were invited shall taste my banquet. So we see here's Jesus after realizing what was going on in that room about this man who invited only those that he felt comfortable with. And even this guest who came up to him and said, I can't wait to eat of this bread at the kingdom, when the kingdom comes. And so here's Jesus says, I need to teach them something. And this is just the way that Jesus taught lessons. He told stories. And he tells the story, and I thought it was interesting because it was about a great, great banquet. So this idea about a feast, as they were in the midst of a dinner. And the lesson that Jesus was trying to teach was to address this mindset of the Jewish people that they felt like they were the chosen People. But Jesus wanted to reinforce the fact that they rejected God's plan and therefore now salvation is offered to all people. Now, there there are a couple of things that we notice from this parable, from the story that Jesus told, as we now talk about going beyond our community. I want to first talk about the excuses to the invitation. Now, as we've read, we see that as the invitation was given and the banquet was all prepared and ready, we see that there were three people who made excuses. And I think they're more representative of just different groups of people. If you look at the excuses, you will notice that they all, all the excuses deal with very small reasons. Now, I would say maybe the third person who just got married might have had a stronger case. Because the wife might have been really upset. So let's just assume that maybe the third excuse was a little bit more uh, legitimate. But all three of these people made an excuse even after they were invited. Now we have to understand that during this time whenever a banquet was being held, people will confirm their attendance ahead of time. And the reason why is because it took a lot of money and a lot of time to prepare For these big feasts that they will have. And so oftentimes they will do an invitation, it will be confirmed, and then they will send out their servants who will then go to these places and say, hey, everything's ready now, why don't you come? Now, I'm wondering how will you feel if let's say that you were the host of this great banquet or this feast. So you put a lot of time, energy, you sacrificed a lot, and you were preparing this for the guests that you've invited. Uh, Every time I think about this, I, I think about a lot of the weddings that I have the privilege of doing. And it's really interesting because oftentimes in many of these weddings, a lot of people say, okay, I'll show up. But then many of them cannot for various reasons, and many of them have very good reasons. But some people do not show up for the wedding. And you'll see these blank empty seats or these name cards that are still there. And I don't know about you, but there's some of us who probably think this way, where we're thinking, oh my God, one plate is X amount of dollars. And you're thinking, what a waste. You know, all these things go through your mind. And so can you imagine if you're the host of this dinner, at this banquet that you're holding for those people that you wanted to invite? And they all said, yes, they're going to come. And so you're preparing, and all of a sudden they start making excuses one by one. Now I think this is something for us to think about because I think in many ways we're similar to these three people, is that we all have some excuses why we don't want to do something. Uh, In this context it's about salvation, it's about the kingdom of God that Jesus Christ was offering and many of these people were making excuses because they were trusting in their own self-righteousness and in their own pride. But I think for us who are believers, we can look at this and say, well, it's not only salvation, but there are a lot of things that God is calling us to do and calling us to obey that so many of us make excuses. And I think this is the reason why when Jesus called His disciples or anyone who will follow after Him, He made it very clear the cost that would be involved in following Jesus Christ. If you remember in Luke chapter nine, verse 57 through 62, and just read that last yellow section with me out loud. But this is what Jesus said, as they were going along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, But the son of man has nowhere to lay his head to another. He said, follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, leave the dead to bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Yet another said, I will follow you, Lord. But let me first say farewell to those at my home. Jesus said to him, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. I thought it was a little bit helpful to read it in another translation and the message translation. Listen to what it says and read the yellow parts with me. It says this, on the road someone said, if he can go along, I'll go with you wherever he said. Jesus was curt. Are you ready to rough it? There aren't, uh, we aren't staying in the best ends, you know. Jesus said to another, follow me. He said, certainly, but first excuse me for a couple of days, please. I have to make arrangements for my father's funeral. Jesus refused. First things first, your business is life, not death, and life is urgent. Announce God's kingdom. Then another said, I'm ready to follow you, Master, but first excuse me while I get things straightened out at home. Jesus said, no procrastination, no backward looks. You can't put God's kingdom off till tomorrow. Seize the day. What a great reminder for many of us where we find ourselves constantly making excuses for not following Jesus Christ. There's so many things on a given day that He's challenging you, that He's challenging me for us to obey, for us to reach out to people, for us to be able to relinquish and let go of some of those idols in our lives that have been holding us for so many years. And what Jesus is saying is stop making excuses. There's a sense of priority and an urgency that's happening. And that's what he's sharing. Jesus is sharing even in this parable that we're studying today, that he's simply saying that there are these people who are making excuses, that even though they said yes to the invitation, that they're saying, I have all these other things to do and they have forgotten the priority. I'm wondering how many of us find it easy to make these excuses and why we respond and why we're not responding to God. The second thing that I want you to think about is this, as we talk about going beyond our community, is we got to stop making excuses. But I also want you to see the extent of the invitation, how far it will go. When the servant came back and told the master that, that what had happened, we see the master got upset. And he told the servant to invite other people. Now, the servant goes out and invites those in the city those who are poor, lame, and those who are crippled, blind. But then the servant went back to the master and told him that there is still more room for people to come to this banquet. And I thought this was interesting. Then, then the master said, and he says, to go out to the highways and hedges. Now that phrase, go out to the highways and hedges, it means to go beyond what is in close proximity. So in the first time when He says, if these people are not going to come, go into the city and find people. So He brought in the poor, the lame, the blind, and the crippled. And then when the servant came back and He said, there's still a lot more room then the master says, then go, then go to the highways, the hedges. And what he's referring to is this. If the Jewish people are rejecting the message of the kingdom of God, then now bring this message to the Gentiles, the non-Jews. Which simply means that this gospel message is not going to be contained into a small group of people, but it is to be going beyond this community. I think this is a lesson for us. I think it's too easy when we think about all the blessings that we have as followers of Jesus Christ and being part of our church community. I think it's easy just to kind of make this inward look within ourselves and just feel comfortable. Like we love it when we don't have to invite anyone else. Like we don't want to go out and make new friends. I think this is one of the reasons why some of you hate life groups constantly changing every year. Come on, can I get a good amen? You know what I'm talking about. Because I think for many of us we just love to be comfortable. When one of the reasons why we change every single season of ministry is because some of you are rejoicing. What do I mean? Some of you hated your life group. So you're like praise the lord, this is ending. So that's not the reason why we do it, but That is one possibility that some of you might respond in that way. But more than anything else, what we are encouraging you to do, there are so many people, not only in our church, that you don't know yet, that you might be the answer to the prayer that's being lifted up, that you might have the gifts and the different things that God has deposited into your life that you could be a blessing to somebody else. But then by being in a new life group then it forces you to keep on practicing learning how to build community, learning how to develop relationships, learning how to reach out to other people that maybe that person might not be reached out to if it isn't you in that person's life. How far are you willing to go? To what extent are you willing to go beyond the community here? as you stop making excuses. Listen to that phrase. It says, the master says, compel people to come in. Wow, that's a strong word. That phrase compel people to come in can be translated as to constrain the people to come in or to necessitate the people to come in. Look at some of these other translations and uh, you don't have to read the yellow. I'm I'm just highlighting for you. It, It says Urge everyone to find you find to come. Can you imagine that word urge? Other, another translation is whoever you find, drag them in. Huh. Like, like whatever it takes, drag them in. Another translation says make them come, do whatever it takes. And this last translation, the Passion Translation, says this urgently insist that they come in. Can can you sense the, the priority and the urgency that the Master is saying? That as we see the excuses that are being made, now we see the extent in which the invitation is given, that it goes beyond just our little circle, in our little community. But there are so many other people who are yet who, are, who have yet to be a part of our community right now. And, we're, and God is saying to go out and to reach out to them. I think this sense of urgency and priority comes even with Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 14 and also in verse 20. Listen to what it says. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And in verse 20, and read the yellow portion with me, it says this, We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though Christ, uh, God were making His appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. This idea of His love compelling us, urging us, urgently insisting. And this idea of imploring, begging, asking, For them to be reconciled with God. This kind of mindset. And then in verse 23, which I love. I think this is great. We see God's heart. The reason why he's telling the story and saying that go out now to the highways and to the hedges. is because in verse 23, it's because his heart's desire was to fill his house. He says, fill this house. What would it be like if heaven was filled with people who did not know Him at one time, but because of your investment, your love, and you reaching out to them, that now they are part of God's house. I'm wondering who are some people that you might personally know, that you have a relationship with, that God is building and forming a bond that you would love for them to be a part of God's house. I think it's interesting that the initial group of people who were invited ended up rejecting the offer. Therefore now the message was going to go out to other people. And that was part of God's greater plan which was to reach out to all the nations. Can I just challenge us as we think about this passage for us to genuinely love others around us. And we do it as we welcome them in into our lives, into our community, we are going to see this joyful outcome. And what I mean by joyful outcome is that we're going to see people come to know Jesus Christ. We're going to see lives being transformed. We're going to see people being set free from some of those things that I shared earlier that we see that people are relapsing into. There are people who are going to find purpose and meaning in life, but maybe that they have never found before. And so as we love people, as we welcome them in, that's where we're going to see the joyful outcome. And that means that every single one of us, you and also for me, that that means that we have to go beyond our comfortability and we have to go beyond our community, just within our church. We have to go outward. I've been kind of challenged with us just recently, as some of you know, with everything that's going on in Hong Kong. And I'm no prophet, I'm not saying anything that uh, will cause any fear. But all I can say is, whatever we experienced last year with the protest, the summer might even get worse. And I'm saying this because you need to be prepared. And it's oftentimes in these kind of situations where a lot of emotions come up. And just recently, a couple days ago, uh, the report came out. and the independent, so-called the independent police council, pretty much they said that the police department, they were absolved of all of some of the accusations that were given, even though there was proof. And I, something inside of me started, really started welling up and getting angry because of injustice. And you see everything that's going on. And I know some of you are on different sides of this whole situation in our city, but you need to be concerned. You need to be aware. And as I'm thinking about this, as I'm reading the news, as I'm trying to keep up on, it's amazing, depending on which news outsource you're reading, you get a whole different picture. And as I'm reading on both sides, I'm thinking to myself, how in the world are we going to have a church that is filled with people, maybe from both sides of the camp, maybe a lot who are in the middle? How are we going to be able to unite together to be able to love people and love our city beyond what we feel comfortable with. This is a challenge that I want to give all of us as we think about everything that's going on and everything that might happen in this summer. How can we love the city? How can we pray for those people? And all I can say is violence always begets violence. And like I said, I'm, I'm trying to stay as neutral as possible. But whenever there's injustice, that's when I will speak up. And so when I see everything that's happening, I'm just saying, God, how are we going to reach out to our city? How are we going to reach out to people? How are we going to reach out to the new university students who will come in? Some of the new families that will be coming in. Some of the people who are moving in as single adults reaching out to the city. How are we going to reach out to them? And I think this is where we have to welcome them in. We have to start looking for people who are different from us to be able to say, God, whoever you bring into my life, I want them to experience the love of Jesus Christ. And I think this is the beauty of the gospel message. Because we were so different from God. He was perfect. We're imperfect. He's infinite. We're finite. We're so sinful when He is so holy. Holy. Even though we were so different, God came in the form of a man, Jesus Christ, and He became like us, but yet without sin. He lived among us, and He suffered and died, and then rose again from the dead, so that we can experience this new life. And so that it's not just for us, but this new life as He commands us to go and make disciples of all nations. He's saying that this goes way beyond what we are comfortable with in our community. And I'm praying that because you and I have experienced this gospel message, that we have the strong desire to reach out to those people who are in need. And that's why the one thing once again is that as we love others with our welcome, we will see a joyful outcome. Can I quickly give us some next steps for us to think about? Like I said, these are just suggestions. Uh, just to get your brain thinking, like, what are some things I can do in light of this message? We don't want you to just be hearers of the Word, but doers of the Word. And so here are some things for us to think about this coming week. First of all is this, examine your heart. Take some time to look at your heart. Do I just hang out with people that I feel comfortable with? Or are there people that I don't feel comfortable with? Are there people that I don't really like, but God brought them into my life? they're my LCG, or they're in my life group, or they're my co-worker, or they might be your roommate, like why? But maybe those are the people that God is trying to speak to you about. Can you reach out to them? Can you love them? Can you share the love of Christ? So examine your heart, your motive of why you do what you do. Maybe you do things because you want something from them. Can you just do it because you just love Jesus? and you love people. The second thing is this, establish an inclusive mindset. I think we always operate on the exclusive mindset, but have more of an inclusive mindset. How can we bring someone in and just to think like what would that person feel if they knew that this was happening? To be able to think about others, to get outside of yourself, your comfortable zone that you're in all the time, so establish more of an inclusive mindset. And I think a lot of it is just, just thinking about other people and to pray, pray for other people. That will help you to establish that. The third thing is this, encourage transculturalism in our community. I, I really want to challenge us to make this a priority, to encourage that in your life, in other people, maybe some of the close people that you know, to encourage the transculturalism. I pray that we won't just be filled with only one type of person or a group of people. But it will be diverse in how we can reach out to the whole city in that way. And lastly, engage in random acts of kindness. Man, every single time I see a video or just a story about someone doing something just random and that person is just overwhelmed because they can't explain it, they didn't deserve it, like those are the best stories. Like I'm wondering if there are ways throughout this week that you can actually just show some just random acts of kindness uh, without knowing that person and just letting them know that someone loves them someone's thinking about them i think that would be a powerful thing i want to close with this video that talks about a pizzeria i don't know how many of you guys like pizza but i love pizza i shouldn't but uh, i love it but it's a really interesting story because this person was walk, uh, working in wall street making all this money and decided to just leave all that and just make pizzas, And so he opened a pizza shop. And one of the things that he does is that he asks people to buy a pizza uh, and they sell it by the slice. And pretty much they're asking them, after you buy a pizza, will you buy some, another person a pizza by paying it forward? And I'll let him explain what they're doing. And I thought it was just a powerful story. And he'll share one. Uh, in in this video that reminds you the power of being able to reach out to people with simple acts of kindness and through that people's lives are being touched and being transformed so let's watch this video together and then we'll come back what a powerful reminder of just a slice of pizza can really transform a person's life Uh, my challenge to all of us is simply this We don't have to do great things. All we have to do is sometimes uh, simple, small things and do it well. Do it with a lot of love. Do it with a lot of compassion, kindness. And then God can do some great things through that. I'm just thinking about many of you as you're listening. Just thinking about your context. Those of you who are working, you know that kind of everyday kind of work. It's easy to forget why you're there, your purpose, your mission. I would love to see every single person in our church who's working, a single adult, married person, as you go to work every single day, that you will be known in your workplace, in your office, as the one that brings great joy. That means you got to check your attitude before you go up the flight of stairs or the elevator to say, God, I'm on a mission. I'm on a purpose. How do I show this kindness and reach out to people that are in, in difficult situations? Uh, some of you are still in the dorms. And there are many students who are maybe still there stressing out with finals. Can you think of ways to just bless people with nothing, expecting nothing in return? So I was thinking about this. I go, what would it be like if this coming week, as we flip the switch, it's just shock people, give them a heart attack. Well, not a physical, real heart attack, but kind of make their heart flutter a little bit as they think about, like, oh, why are you doing this? Why is this happening? And you just tell them it's because God loves you. And if you have a good conversation, you can maybe invite them to come out to Life Group, check out the online, whatever it is, just to be able to have them experience the truth and the gospel message because you're the first initiator as you open their hearts to something greater than what they're living for. So I pray that as we love others with our welcome that we will be able to see a joyful outcome as more people will come and experience God in our church. Lives will be transformed. So I'm going to ask us right now, wherever you are, can can we just stand? I know some of you are sitting, but I want to just encourage us if you could just stand right where you are and if you could bow your heads with me for a moment close your eyes and bow your heads for a moment and I want to challenge you today and throughout this week to go beyond your comfortability your comfort zones to go beyond just our community here and let's fill God's house let's fill heaven with more people you have to experience the love of Jesus Christ so I'm going to ask you for just 30 seconds really quickly I want you to just in your own own words and just loud enough to hear yourself I want you to utter a prayer can you just do that for God to fill you to God to just open up your eyes to see who are those people that God is bringing your way maybe today all over Hong Kong as we're spread out all over that we'll see random acts of kindness. Just little things that we'll do. And just watch their face in shock. And then you will feel this joy in your heart as you see the response. Let's share the love of Christ. Can you go ahead and just in your own way for 30 seconds, not too long. Just utter a prayer and ask for God to help you throughout this week. God bless Thank you for listening to the Harvest Mission Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit our website at hongkong.hmcc.net.